Big Red Austin. I am joined by Remington. Hey, how's it going? And Jake. Hey, everybody. And this week we're talking about our weekly recap and preview, the trade deadline, and much more. So how, how have you guys felt about the last week, which was only one series against the Nationals? Really, whenever I look at that series, it's a draw, but I think that there were some good points or some bad points as well that we can take away from it. Mostly, you, you, I'm always going to be happy about a series win. We won the series two to one, very easily could have swept them if it wasn't for a bullpen breakdown in that second game of the series where it didn't seem like we could get an out at some point. You know, we would have swept them, but we only lost by one run. It was a hard fought game. We came back the next game, bounced back played really well, pitched really well. And that kind of leads me to, I think that one of the biggest shining points for me this year, we had phenomenal performance. Andre and Miles Michaelis, two fantastic shutdown performances. Couldn't be happier. And then who was it? I don't even remember who was pitching in the second game. Oh, it was Hudson. I mean, Hudson came out, he gave like four innings and, you know, four hits, two runs really not too bad it's like i said the breakdown just came from the bullpen so i think moving into you know later on in the second half of this season it came down to the trade deadline we knew we were needing starting pitching and we'll talk about that a little bit later but it this series i think i have a little bit more faith in with the pieces that we have in the rotation moving into the you know as we continue into the second half yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree with you. Um, and going back to Hudson, I'm I mean, he like you said, four innings pitch, two runs, whatever. That's that's okay. They were hitting him a little bit. He was having trouble throwing some strikes. He had kind of some high pitch game or high pitch count going into the fourth. I think maybe he was in the upper seventies, maybe in the eighties. Uh, but they pulled him in the fifth. Uh questionable call, whatever, you know, maybe they wanted to pull him try to get Packy Naughton in there. Pretty good arm for us lately, I understand. Uh, that's kind of what Marmol was saying whenever he was talking uh, on the radio broadcast before the game had started on that third game, that third set, third game of the set. Excuse me. Um, not a bad decision, whatever, but I think that our, our faults came from pitching around Juan Soto, which, you know, granted, he's good, but we might be making him look like a Goliath of what he actually is. And I'm not taking anything away from him, but you've got the best defense from behind you. You're up. What was it? Four to nothing, four to one, four to two, maybe uh, at that point in time, nobody on base, maybe one person on base, just throw strikes, keep it down in the bottom of the zone. But he went four straight balls and walked him. And that had been kind of a trend throughout each piece of the bullpen that came in. I was just walking Soto, and that kind of came back and burned us. Um, I don't really like the way that Marmol handled himself after the game was over, that second set, uh, kind of blaming it, placing the blame on the bullpen for not getting the job done. I've said it once, and I'll say it again. It's hard for the bullpen to come in and pitch six shutout innings of baseball. It's just that's not what they're meant to do. That's what your starter's meant to do. Uh, it just hurts. It's hard. It's difficult. I think that Marmol should maybe 
think about the things that he's done before he starts placing blame on other people. But I digress. Um, we just need to get a good set going forward. We need to get some good wins under our belt uh, against them. We really need a sweep against the Cubs, and it'd be great to uh, win the series against the, the best team in baseball, the Yankees, got coming up. So I'm kind of looking forward to that and just trying to be hopeful for everything we got moving forward and also pretty happy with what, what we had seen as far as our offense had had done in these past three games against the Nationals. So that's kind of how I look at these these past few games that we've had. Yeah, yeah I was definitely game, thinking game two. Go ahead, game, game two. Game two was kind of rough because Hudson was actually pitching pretty well for what he's done recently. So to only see him go four and a third innings and then get pulled was a shame. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Whip, whenever you said that our offense was pretty good in this series because <coughs> we had a three-game series against the Nationals. In those three games, first game we scored six in a win, second game we scored six in a loss, and then third game we scored five in a shutout win. It's like I'm never going to complain if we – over the course of a three-game series. Uh, pretty well in, in other series is what I'm saying. Like if we scored 17 – runs in multiple different series and we're going to be okay yeah absolutely uh got to look at the positives and that's you you know you don't want to lose any game to the nationals but you know when you score that many runs i can take it i can live with that so you got anything to add about this past week red well palante earned his First Big Reds Boom Shakalaka Award of the Week for his <laughs> eight a shot out ball. Yeah. Yeah. That Realistically, was how electric was he, though? I really was. Oh, my. Yeah. I really wish I, 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 wish I could have watched the game, but I was at work. So I listened to it over, over my phone. You got to okay. make the that broadcasters. Money. The broadcasters do a good job, though. You know, that's that's the best part about listening to the game is John Rooney and Ricky Horton do the best, I think. I've listened to a lot of other broadcasts. I listened to the Mets and Brewers a while back, and John Rooney and Ricky Horton, they do a good job. So I I like listening to the game on the radio. Um, I, I like it, but I would kind of wish that he could have got left in for his chance at that complete game. Uh, sure, he gave up a couple hits in the ninth. Pretty weak contact soft contact hits but you know that's the way of the game i guess but hey helsley came in yeah shut shut the door with two k's and we got the cardinals got the shot out regardless mm-hmm. and one left runners on second and third yeah left runners on second and third striking out one solo so you got to give it to Helsley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Helsley, he came out uh, with some fire for sure, which he always does. What's what's his strikeout rate? Like, is it 42.5% or something? It's ridiculous. He, he's, it's ridiculous. he's so good. High. I mean, he was named an all-star for a reason, boys. Mm-hmm. Speaking of some people, some good closing pitchers, uh, and maybe, we, maybe I can touch on this later, but 
Josh Hader is no longer in the NL Central. So, you know, he had a rough month of July, but that could that could impact us because we couldn't touch him. I mean, we just couldn't. So in some of our series, because we do play the Brewers a couple times moving forward, um, that could help us out quite a bit. Now, granted, they did get a good good closer out of the deal as well, but still pretty pretty good to look at. Plus, they've got got the Airbender himself, David Williams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On one hand, I'm happy to see Hater out of the NL Central. On the other hand, I'm like, well, you know, if we make a playoff run or anything, meet him in the division series or in the championship series. So, yeah, would have rather just seen him go to the team because. Face him at some point down the line, especially in this three game series we have against the Padres coming up towards the end of the season. So, but at least we won't have to face him as much as we have been having to face him in the past. Yeah, that that's a big blow to the Brewers trading away probably the most dominant lefty since our lowest Chapman started going downhill a little bit. You know, I, other teams and, you know, the inner work they have going on, like I know what the Cardinals do, but like, what do you think the thought process is behind trading Hater? I mean, you have to think they, they, it's almost a guarantee at this point that the Brewers until the end of next season was the return just too high that they were getting on him. I mean, I don't know if I was that team and I knew that I was going to be making a playoff run like they are, I would try to keep the best closer in the game on my team. I agree with you, Ram. I don't know the thought process. Well, yeah. If you look at what their power <coughs> was, they did get a very good closer in return. Uh, Hater has 29 saves and help me out. Who, who did they end up getting from the Padres? Think Taylor Rogers. Yeah, he yes, that's correct. He has 28 saves. He's a good closer as well. And they also got three other young arms. Um, so at first glance, yeah, like why would you give up hater? But whenever I looked at it a little closer, it's like, you know, did is this a good deal? Did Milwaukee uh pull out a little bit better than the Padres did, which wouldn't surprise well, me. Yeah. Padres were, were all over the place this this <laughs> uh, trade deadline. But yeah. Meaning, like I said, I don't know enough about the inner working. Not up to date at all. on like other teams' prospects and stuff. So I don't necessarily know. A lot of these young pitchers that the just like, like I said, whenever you just look at it at first glance from an outside source like myself, it's like, man, you just dealt away one of the best relievers in the game whenever you're getting ready to try and go on a playoff run. Like, a, and just a quick glance, that doesn't seem like it's the best deal, but you never know. They could have got a hell of a haul for him. I mean, take a look at the Padres. I forget if it was five or six. But they traded five or six of their top 11 prospects. I think it was six, wasn't it? Yeah. It was either five or six, I forget. They're going all in, for sure. Honestly, 
I'm sure we'll get into it later about the deals they made, but got to respect it. Got to respect a guy who's willing to go all Mm -hmm. in like their president of baseball ops is. Hey, Jay Praler, this is his second attempt of going all in with the Padres. It looks like he's a little bit more primed. He's he's made some big deals. Mm -hmm. Yes. For sure. It's, and that's Rem, you and I have talked a little bit about it already. Um, you're going against the Dodgers, you know, no matter what, all year long. It's, that's a tough team. You've got to make moves. You've just, if you don't want to be a wild card team, you've got to make moves. You've got to make big, huge, big time moves. Um, Maybe we'll be doing that in four years if the Central ever gets below, you know, well, above par, maybe. I guess that's a better way to say it. <laughs> but it's uh, it was necessary, I think, for them. It kind of showed everybody else across the league that the Padres don't want to screw around anymore. They've got too good – they've potentially got too good of a team to be – not going deep in playoffs every year uh, for the next four or five years. That's at least two to three years. I think that that's kind of what they're trying to do here is they're trying to win a potential World Series this year, potential World Series next year, potential World Series the year after that, and be done. That's what I see whenever I see these moves that they're making. But, eh, you know, um, what do I know? So, yeah, they add hair. Fernando Tatis Jr.'s starting to rehab, so he's coming back soon-ish. You got Manny Machado, and Josh Bell, and Juan Soto. So they're gearing up for at least a deep playoff run. Yeah. Well, it, since we're going to get into it, it sounds like pretty inevitably. It sounds like this is just a good time to transition into all the trades that were made at the deadline and whatnot, if that's okay with you guys. Yeah, we're me. Yeah, I'm fine. All right, so just th- this is where we're going to have some expletives, I feel like, because I'm very, <laughs> I, you know, today was just not a good day. Everything is said from here on out, as if it's not on every, is just our individual opinions. So take it for what it's worth. You're going to hear some expletives coming out because that's just, I don't have any other way to express it on a podcast the way that I'm feeling about the moves that the Cardinals made or in, in this case, really that they didn't make. So just a disclaimer, that's going out. You guys have anything to add? Uh, uh, fire away. No. Well, okay. So, as everybody knows, Cardinals did not get Juan Soto. The Padres got him for a lunchable. They didn't give up jack shit for him. And somehow we couldn't come up with a better trade package than what they offered. Are you kidding me? It. I'm upset. Yeah, I'm with you, Ram. It's just mind-boggling that somehow the Cardinals couldn't 
make a deal with Bader O'Neill and some prospects to get, you know, a 23-year-old phenom. For me, it's the thing of it's like we've watched it all season long. The Cardinals have a plethora of MLB-ready talent just sitting on our bench, sitting, waiting to be called up at any point in time. We have a plethora of young studs in our farm system. I think it has to be understood that some of those guys are going to get dealt. It's not like all of those guys are going to be our starting nine in the next seven to eight years. Like, what is the point of having all of that used to grade your team? Guys like who is practically a guaranteed future MVP, and we can't do anything but sit on our hands because we're too worried about giving up the guys who haven't even played an MLB game yet? Are you fucking me? Yeah, I agree. This front office has been some, some dumbass incompetent people for the past several years. I mean, I cannot put into words how incompetent they've been. Well, it's just thing. like this isn't stamped around us. That That's not like where I'm coming from. I mean, it is in this case, in this exact example. But the thing is, this front office, if you if you watch half of the game, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand. We need starters and we need relievers. And what does this front office do to go out and supplement our need? They get us a 33-year-old left-hander who's averaging five innings a game. And they get us. I'm not going to say anything about Montgomery because I don't know anything about him. I know he's young. I know he's pretty good, uh, supposedly, I guess. He played on the Yankees. I mean, for a team that has 70 wins, his win-loss record is only like 3-3, three and three, so I don't know. Well, and he's there. 29, but, too. I mean, yeah, he's not it's like – Well, and in turn, what do they give up for Quintana? They give up Johan Oviedo who hasn't been our best bullpen piece this year, but in a bullpen that has struggled in two-thirds out of the game that we've asked them to pitch in, like pitch like three or four innings, he has been one of the consistent pieces. So not only did you give up a fairly consistent piece out of our bullpen, you supplemented that with a starter in a fucking game. You're going to that you have now even depleted more to pitch four innings every time this guy takes the mound. Mm-hmm. Where? How does that yeah. make sense? It, it doesn't. Mm-mm. And you're also getting, you know, some people would make the argument, well, you're getting another reliever out of it. Yeah, well, you're getting Stratton, who has like a seven or six ERA this, or something ridiculous. This guy is a relief pitcher, and his war is negative .6. Yeah, it's it's you not ideal. To have a negative pitch three games. Mm-hmm. And Ram, whenever you talked about the issue not being the fact that we didn't get Soto. So here's the thing. Soto goes to us, the Padres or the Dodgers. If he's not going to us, I hope he goes to the Padres. I mean, I'm not I want Soto. We I wanted Soto. Don't get me wrong. Soto was not what I was banking on. 
didn't see it happening. Not surprised that it didn't happen. But whenever Soto goes to the Padres, I'm like, great. We got all this talent that we can, we can give away. All this talent was already on the table for Soto. We can give this to somebody else, get a nice, young, great pitcher, uh, get something for us. No, no, we didn't. We got uh, we got two 3.5-plus ERA starters. Now, I'm not saying that's not going to help. Trust me, anything is better than what we've got, which is nothing. Uh, so there is some positive there. But what what you gave up, is a gold glover, a starting shortstop, and a middle of the pack um, shortstop, starting short or a, a starting shortstop and a middle of the pack reliever for, and you know a minor leaguer for two borderline terrible relief pitchers and two middle of the pack to mediocre starters. So yeah, and, the, and then the Cardinals also made some two other minor moves, traded Austin Romine to the Reds for cash considerations after DFAing him, and they tra- traded minor league pitcher Carlos Guarte for athletic, to the Athletics for catcher Austin Allen. Who went to Triple A Memphis? Yeah, and that is a joke too because our that catcher from the Athletics is he he's a backup catcher obviously for the Athletics, but he's batting like a whopping seventy five. That's that's it. <laughs> so I know a small sample size, whatever he might not be too bad. It's something to have. I don't know if it's better than Romine. To be honest, I, I don't know anything about him. He's an AL guy. I don't I don't care about him. And maybe that's me being a little bit uh, <coughs> negative, and I apologize. But I don't – not too worried about that. Um, we can talk a little bit about what Mo said on the radio today before or during the Cardinals-Cubs game. He – pretty much said he went on with John Rooney and Ricky Horton uh, in, in the middle of the game and said, you know, I, I felt like we did a good job out there. I think we got everything we needed to do. We wanted to add a couple of arms and we wanted to get a catcher. And I, some people said that there was some talks that had been going on against among other things. And he would, he refused to say Soto's name whatsoever. He said, well, you know, when there's smoke, there's fire, usually with things like this. So, obviously, you know, it's real. Uh, Of course, he was talking to them, but he didn't want to acknowledge it. He said, all the fans think that we're just trading baseball cards out here, and it's not that easy to do. Now, Mo has been relatively conservative historically, and we never do anything, which is kind of disappointing to everybody. But when we're talking about Juan Soto, this is not a normal deal. Um, this doesn't happen. This is, this is the first time that a trade like this has happened. So it's disappointing for Cardinals, Cardinals fans. And it's also disappointing to hear your president of operations come on and say that we got everything accomplished that we wanted to get done. 
How do you think that that makes Cardinals fans feel? It's it was upsetting to me. Really, kind of pushed pushed at my strings a little bit, but I don't know. I just it's disheartening. I'm not I'm not discouraged by any means because if you look at what we did last year, we got J Hap and uh, Lester correct, and yes. And they turned out to do some pretty okay things with us. Sure, they weren't fantastic, but they got us some wins, and we are in much dire need of pitchers. And you can't deny that the pitchers that we got are both younger and potentially better than both of those guys that we picked up last year. Now, I'm not, I'm, now, I'm not saying by any means that I like what happened, and I'm not saying that I agree with what happened, but – I'm just trying to look on the bright side a little bit um, about things that have gone on. So there's no bright side in the situation. I think that all this is, uh, yeah, they're probably a little bit better than the situation we were in last year when we got Hap and Lester. But get situation of this front office giving a rat's ass if any better than winning the wild card. We're only three games out of the NL Central lead, and you couldn't do any supplement uh, to give us uh, like a really decent chance to cut that lead and take the lead in the central and win the division. All you did was set us up for an opportunity to give us a 50, 50 shot to win a wild card this year. And I'm sorry, but this is an absolute blown boneheaded move. You, we are in a situation. It's a freaking joke. We are in a situation this year where Paul Goldschmidt is having the best year of his career when he's going to win an MVP. Nolan Arenado is doing Nolan things, batting almost 300, just a potential MLB or MVP caliber player if Goldschmidt wasn't doing as well. You've got the best defense in the league behind you. All over. This is the best at the trade deadline in a long time. And all you needed to do was make three or four moves that will automatically catapult us to the top and make us an absolute contender and you could not get the job done but yet we achieved everything we wanted to achieve by picking up two starters with the eras over three and a half and uh yeah we did a good job go fuck yourself dude yeah it's an absolute joke that's slap in the face to the cardinal fans i mean it's flat out embarrassing and I'll be yeah, quite frank, hurts. I would not be shocked at all if we get the notification here as soon as the season's over that uh, Nolan Arenado is opting out of his contract. He said it whenever he came here. He wanted to play for an organization that wanted to win and win ball games and be competitive. And in the past two years that he's been here, the Cardinals have done literally the exact opposite and showed in no way that they want to be a competitive ball team. Yeah, and he even said right before the Blue Jays – series that he would be you know he wants to he doesn't want a wild card spot he wants to win the central and wants to be a team guaranteed for the playoffs and we're showing right now that we have no intentions of being anything other than a wild card spot even the Phillies who we are kind of tied with right now for the wild card spot made bigger moves than we did Every yeah, they got no center guard. 
every other team that's on the fringe made moves. They made moves to win, and we did not. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts bad, and it it mm, burns me. It burns me. I just don't. I'm not looking forward to it. Toronto Blue Jays made big time moves. But I mean, they're in the American League, so take that for what it is. But, you know, Saint made big time moves to get in the, the Atlanta Braves, who are, you know, who are behind them, big time moves to get an extra spot in that wild card. And right now they're leading it, they're up six and a half games. The Padres made hellacious moves right before the trade deadline. They're in the second wild card spot right now, up two and a half games. The Phillies, the Phillies didn't make obviously as big as moves as the Padres because how could you? But they added pitchers, they added position players, they made moves, and they're in the third wild card spot right now. And we're out of the playoffs currently from that third wild. And mm-hmm. all the was two half-ass starting pitchers. Are you kidding me? At least yeah, all these other teams that we're going against actually are showing that they want to compete. They're making moves to win. Mo can't say the same thing. No. Yeah. yeah. Two main core goal <coughs> of Goldsmith and Arenado can only take you so far. You just cannot rely on two hitters carrying you all the way. You just cannot, absolutely cannot expect them to do that no matter how good that they're playing. Yeah, we're the like I said the need... just... go ahead. Go ahead, Rim. No, no, no go ahead, Rim. No, I was just gonna say uh, real short. I it's just so frustrating whenever we know like not just us, the three of us that are hosting this podcast, but other people you talk to just know that the Cardinals need some solid pitch. A couple solid relievers, and and we'll be okay. It wasn't a huge killing factor that we didn't get Juan Soto. Now, it did kill me a little bit whenever I saw that the Padres didn't give up Jack Dick for him, and we couldn't offer a better package than that. But it's just the fact that we didn't make any winning moves at all, I feel like. Even in the, even in the deal where we got Montgomery, the pitcher from the Yankees, I mean, we gave up Harrison Bader. Now, everybody who listens to this podcast knows I'm not a huge Harrison Bader fan. The best defensive center field. I can't have Juan Soto in my outfield. I want Harrison Bader in it. But yet, there we go. Just dealing away a guy who's going to win more gold gloves than he has fucking fingers. So, Mm -hmm. well, you're putting all your you're putting all your chips in on Dylan Carlson and. Don't get me wrong. I I didn't want to see Dylan Carlson go in the trade deadline, and I'm kind of glad that he didn't, uh, considering that we didn't get Juan Soto. Um, now, if we would have got, if we wouldn't have got Juan Soto and Harris or and Dylan Carlson, still would have been traded. I, I would probably have a way different tone. But you're putting all your cards and all your chips on Dylan Carlson. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that Dylan Carlson is a good 23 year old player. 
I think he will do good things. I think he's got better power behind the plate than a lot of leadoff batters. I think that he should continue being in the leadoff spot. All that's to say. But Harrison Bader's defense is there. It's great. Um, Sure, he's a little older, but not much. And I just don't see a 26-year-old gold glove center fielder who bats 200, you know, to 240 in between that range to get traded straight up for a starting pitcher who throws, you know, gets has a three and three record with 21 games pitched and averages five innings per game. It's a mediocre middle of the pack starting pitcher. Um, granted, you know, it's straight up now that we haven't talked about this yet, but if Harrison Bader is not, healthy and playing by the time the postseason happens, the Cardinals are going to give a minor league player to the Yankees that has not, who has not been determined yet. But all I know is that the Yankees have agreed to a list of players that the Cardinals can give them uh, if that happens. So, you know, don't be surprised if, if that, if we don't give up somebody like an Alec Burleson or a, you know, top 10, top 15 prospect to the Yankees for this middle of the pack pitcher. That's kind of what burns my ass more than anything about the whole, that whole trade. Um, Definitely the biggest name that we got. It's not a bad trade, but that asterisk that comes at the end of it really upsets me. Big time. I agree with you, Whip. Yeah. So. I don't know. I, I I hate to I hate to be super negative because to be honest, it's kind of what I expected out of Mo. But how much longer does this have to keep going on? And I think the fact that our owner has said, "Go get Juan Soto under any means necessary," and Mo can't get the job done. Do we continue to see Mo in the future? I mean, what's going to change? Yeah. Really, the car. I mean, he's known for being conservative. This is this is just par for the court. It just came at the worst. Right. I mean, I understand he I understand he fleeced the Diamondbacks and Rockies and the Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado trades, respectively. But two, two trades that actually improve your team. And what, 10 years or so? That's that doesn't cut. I'm just us fans having this and <coughs> a team under a front office that doesn't give a rat's ass about winning championships. It seems like this front office is plagued with just being. They're just accepting the fact that they're going to be above 500 every year and more than likely win a wild card spot. Don't, don't even give a damn about winning the central anymore. They, they're just, you know, winning record playoff berth by any means. Yeah, that that's good. They haven't shown me yeah. anything recently at all that says they want to win a championship. And this was their prime. But it's absolute, absolute bullshit. that. The DeWitts allow this stuff to happen. Well, hopefully it won't happen much longer. But 
I think that, you know, we could kind of continue to go on through some of the other trades throughout uh, maybe the rest of the Central, but really what there is to know is the Reds pretty much gave away some of their best ones. Um, Brandon Drury, he went to the Padres, so the Padres yet again uh, making they want to win, getting getting big time caliber players. Uh, which win. you know we're not going to make a deal with the Reds. It's just how it goes unless we give them Austin Romine. Um, they also gave away Mally, um, which, you know, would have been nice to see him. I understand it's not going to happen. They mostly are in a rebuild. Uh, I think that in the next few years, hopefully we see the Reds being at least kind of competitive. Um, you know, you've just got to, at this point in time, you've got to root for the central as a whole, because it's embarrassing to be second in the worst division in baseball period we are the entire nl central is an embarrassment and i think that anybody around the league can laugh at that especially when you got the al east who's all over 500 and we're nearly all under 500 in the in the nl central so um the brewers really <coughs> do a whole lot they got uh they gave they sent away uh hater and like we had talked about earlier not a whole lot of other stuff going on there. And then there was just some interdivisional trades between us and the pirates. That's kind of the main, the main trades that has happened in the central. Now you guys have anything to add. I'm just going from memory here. Uh, I don't yeah. Know. You, you, you forgot one trade that the reds made. They traded Lu Luis Castillo to the uh, Mariners. I was thinking of the trades that happened today. Yeah, you're right. That, that was uh, a couple days ago. Or a day ago, but yeah, you're right. That's a big one too. And then, then staying with the Missouri connection, the Royals traded with Merrifield to the Blue Jays. Blue Jays had a big day, especially because going into the trade deadline today, the Phillies, the Cardinals, and the Blue Jays were under the most scrutiny about lack of moves. Uh, the Blue Jays fans were pretty livid. The that the Blue Jays had literally sat on their hands and done nothing all day long um, up until that point. And then the Blue Jays just kind of went ballistic and picked up some really good name players and kind of showed their fans what what they were working with. And the Phillies did too. You know, they signed Noah Sintergaard, who was a player that I really hoped we would see in a Cardinals uniform. Uh, it's just kind of disheartening. Although I think that if – if an independent person came in and said anything about how the trade deadline went and they said, pick a clear loser, you're going to, you're probably going to finger the uh, Cardinals in that lineup of the losers, but hell, it's just know. because we have so much to give. We yeah. have so much <laughs> to give up. We are, we're so deep all the way around. You can give up some of our guys to get better ones and guys that would help the team now. And it's like, whether we tell what you're telling me we couldn't make any better move that we couldn't make any kind of pitching moves. I would have loved to see center guard on our team. I would have loved to see us push where Pablo Lopez from the Marlins a little bit more granted, you know, they stopped hearing offers for him after a while. I would have loved to see us go after Carlos Rodon. It, but like we didn't do anything. Yeah. It's like that meme with, the little stick figure dude with a 
sticking his hand, po poking at something, saying, do something. Oh, we just didn't do shit. Yeah. It gets, it's hard to see. I, I don't know. We, we are ones that will do more in the off season than some other teams, but uh, so underwhelming considering the talent. I don't, we are not in a rebuild year and I understand we're just trying to make do with what we got, but if if you think that two starting pitchers, because really that's what we got, I don't even consider the relievers that we got in the in this mix. If well, no, can, one of them one of them got straight designated to AAA, yeah, straight AAA. If you think that two starting pitchers is going to guarantee you a spot in the playoffs, you are dead wrong, and you're an idiot. Period. That's all there is to say. If Sure, 2023, you don't have Pujols, you don't have Molina. That that adds a few spots that you can bring some guys up. Maybe a few guys do some work in the offseason, and you've got a slightly better team than what you've got this year. At the end of the day, you're still finishing with like 80 wins max on the season. I mean, don't you guys agree with me? Even with the we have in our farm system? Uh, I'd say more of towards 85, but you're not too far off. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, it's disappointing. We just got to move forward. Uh, we, we If we can just continue to – if we play good baseball, we swing the bats okay – you rely on Goldschmidt, Arenado, maybe some hot bats from some of the guys like Dickerson, um, who would be my player of the week, by the way, if we get there. Um, some just some of those bats that we really need. You got Molina back in the lineup that that makes things more positive all the way around for the team. Um, you sit Gorman's ass on the bench, and <laughs> you know well, I don't know, you know. Big power coming back with Paul DeYoung. We'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just want to stay as positive as I can moving forward because at the end of the day, the trade line didn't go our way, but at the we still got to play baseball. So, mm. Well, it won't be in fucking October. That's... <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we can move on you, to we players get some of the weeks. Yeah. Well, if you two want to move on to players of the week, we can. Because yeah, I feel like because I feel like we've covered the trade deadline pretty well, pretty extensively. Yeah, probably so. Well, so whip your player of the week you just said is Corey Dickerson. Yeah, he pretty much if anybody is a triple shy of the cycle in a week and also swings the bat well in one other game of the series. It's he's automatically my, my player of the week, um, especially in just one series worth of play. Dickerson came in with a bomb Dicker slaps, as I call him, he hits the ball hard. He's hitting the ball hard, has to keep hitting the ball hard. He came in whenever uh, Tyler O'Neill's legs uh, were hurting leg cramps, whatever you want. I don't know. Don't ask me how I feel about that, but 
Dickerson came in to relieve Tyler O'Neill's um, ailments and showed that Tyler O'Neill <laughs> deserves to be on the bench um, if you're going to come out of the game for leg cramps. Dickerson hit the hell out of the ball, <coughs> and it was much needed. We needed somebody like him um, to come in and, and, and produce. And it's good to see that because we wanted him to be our DH in the beginning of the year. It just didn't work out. And if he can continue what he's got going on, that'll be a big help whenever we're trying to win games later on. Uh, he can come in, be a pinch hitter. He can, you know, be everything that we need him to be if he just keeps replicating what he's done this past week. So that's kind of why I picked Dickerson this week. Um, I hope that he gets more chances to play and they don't just throw O'Neal right back in and expect O'Neal to be great because he's not. Ram, who's your player of the week? Yeah, actually my player of the week is going to be the same guy. Um, Dickerson just absolutely killed it this week. Jake kind of hit the nail on the head with everything I was going to say about him. I'm just finally happy that it seems like within the last month, the month and a half, um, really since he came off the IL, he has been batting so much better. I mean, it might not be reflect. I mean, the guy's not batting like 350, but compared to what he was doing, he's actually going. Even if it's an out, it's going to be a productive out. He's swinging the bat for. Jake went over all the stats that he had this past week, and he, he's just he's playing good ball. I feel comfortable at this point having him be a consistent DH or being a consistent outfielder. He's just a guy you got to have in the lineup right now because he's just flat out producing. Yeah, I agree. My 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 player of the week is the winner of the of Big Reds Boom Shakalaka Award and Andre Palante. He had innings pitch. Five hits allowed, a walk, eight strikeouts, and no runs allowed. I mean, he was just absolutely stellar in a star against the Nationals. So there's a reason I named him the Boom Shakalaka Award winner and my player of the week. Absolutely. And he's well-deserving of both of those. For sure. I bet all of you guys that were listening thought that Paul DeYoung was going to be my player of the week. <laughs> now, I I will say, I will give Paul DeYoung credit. He's came back. He's hit two bombs. Those, those are the only two hits he has, actually, since he's been back. But the thing is, uh, so far at the time of recording, he's had 10 at-bats. He's had two bombs and three strikeouts. So he's batting 200 with a two bombs and three strikeouts. It's not going to get it done. A bit more and be a little more. Con- Three games you've been back. But I will tell you, and this is not a dog at Paul DeYoung at all. This is more of a dog at Marmol. I am just really pissed off at the fact that Paul DeYoung gets called up from being in the minors for two months. And as soon as he gets called up, he's the everyday starter. That pisses me off. Yeah. Replaces Edmund, who, granted, Edmund batted 198 in July, but you've got Gorman, who strikes out 
35% of the time, if if more, if not more. And that's off the top of my head. If somebody wants to fact check me, they they can. But you've got Gorman who well, literally strikes out all the time, hits one bomb, has like 12 bombs on the season, and you're going to sit uh, Edmund out for, you know, a guy who's – played 51 games in Memphis. Now, don't get me wrong. I like DeYoung. I like the fact that he deer hunts in Marion. I like the fact that he played at Illinois State. I like him as a guy. I think he's okay. I like that he hits two bombs. But I just think it's unfair to our second highest win above replacement, you know, player on the team to sit him on the bench and say, here you go. You can watch the 22-year-old strike out and 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 DeYoung, essentially. And it just kind of burns me a little bit, which I'm I'm biased because I'm such a Tommy Edmond fan. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I should be a little well, bit happier for DeYoung and try to give Gorman a chance. Well, in the case in, like, tonight's game, whenever it's not Edmond sitting the bench, it's Donovan sitting the bench mm-hmm. because we've got – Paul DeYoung at shortstop and Nolan Gorman in DH. I I would much have, rather have Donovan in the lineup than either of those two guys. Well, definitely. Got to get his reps in. Home run, so we got to get it. Marnell. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Play a fucking consistent that, lineup for once, you dick. Well, that's the Little League ball that I've talked about in the past. Uh, definitely think it's time for Gorman to sit a few games. Well, there's a line from a song called Dick Down Dallas by Trey Lewis and Rashad that goes, she's like a little league team. Everybody gets a turn. I think that's uh, Ollie Marmel's saying, everybody's got to get a turn. (laughs) Red, I think that's the best (laughs) quote you've ever had in your entire life. (laughs) Hey, I'm good good for a couple good one-liners now and then. <laughs> but, well, the thing is, that that Little League mentality is okay in the month of May whenever you're still trying to get things figured out, whenever guys are still trying to find their role and everything. In the second half of the season, after the trade deadline, putting the most competitive team together on the field each and every night so we can make the playoffs. We need that, and that's not happening. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I wholeheartedly agree with that, Ram. Well, I just hope to see that by this time next week we've got uh some good momentum um moving forward, maybe some good series under our belt. Things seem to be going pretty well so far with this first game against the Cubs. Um so hopefully we can just continue that on carry that on and try to push all some of this push some of this you know negative trade deadline stuff behind us um and try to focus on being the best that we can be with what we've got and there's nothing that we can do about it there's nothing that anybody on the team can do about it (laughs) i think that the only thing we really need to focus on right now is keeping arenado because yes. there's no way that Jordan Walker is going to be ready in 2023. He 
He was projected at the beginning of this season that he wouldn't even be ready until 2025. Now it's probably looking more like 2024, uh, given the season that he's had this year. But our third baseman can be Brendan Donovan. That's fine. But Brendan Donovan, God love him. He's great, and I feel like he should be in the lineup. He's not Nolan Arenado. So no, Nolan Arenado opting out of St. Louis would probably be tragic things that could happen to this organization. That would be so destroying. He is absolutely no doubt the best third baseman of our generation. And to know that we just, he decided to walk because he came here knowing or telling everybody that he wanted to play for an organization that wants to win games, wants to win championships. That's why he came to St. Louis and knowing that he opted out after two years because we weren't doing that. That'd be heart wrenching for me as a fan and for thousands and that. It would be that the front office in the future from now would look back on and say like, yeah, we really messed up there. Like I said, if Aaron Otto opts out, it would be absolutely soul destroying heart ripped out everything that you can imagine as a baseball fan. I know I would be absolutely destroyed. I would be. I'd be sick. I think that Arenado just wants to win, and he's got an MVP on his team. He's got veterans who can play the game of baseball better than, you know, a lot of young guys still on his team. And you just really hope that the front office hasn't ruined it. And maybe we're being a little dramatic. Um, I, I'm sure that Arenado's a smart enough player to realize that that's just baseball sometimes, but I don't know. It's this is the first time that, and it, there is no facts backing up that Arenado is going to opt out, but he has the option. So I don't, I don't want to say that. I don't want to put thoughts into people's head. It's just complete speculation. It's just, I don't, uh, I just don't want to see that option even physically possible for him to do. But well, the the reason that we are talking about it is because that option seems so much more viable now considering what was not done at the trade deadline. Well, I wasn't yeah, even thinking it. I wasn't even thinking it until I and got all the updates. I was thinking it right after the right before we went to Toronto and he said, I want to be a part of a team who wins the division, not a part of the team who, you know, goes to the wild card or, you know, makes the wild card or wins the wild card or whatever. Um, and that, that's paraphrasing. He, he did say he doesn't want to win the wild card. He wants to win the division. And, Obviously so. The Brewers are not that good of a team compared to what they've been in recent years. And we have every reason to win. If we can't, it's there's front office issues and there's managerial issues that need to be discussed and taken care of. So Yeah, I agree. I mean, 
24 hours ago, I wasn't even thinking about Aeronauta opting out. <coughs> but now it's a lot more like, yeah, maybe he will opt out. Hmm. Well, you never know. I think that it'll be well something that we can, you know, hopefully never think about it again. For the fans listening, guys, again, I'm sorry about all the ex. As frustrated as a fan, I'm frustrated for everybody else as a fan. Witnessing what this front office is letting happen to this team whenever we should be winning is just tough for me to sit back and watch. Um, hopefully next week won't be this bad on my part, but uh, it's the only way I could get it to come across. So there's that. Yeah, it's just been rough since it's the trade deadline. Yeah, it, it's a it's a tricky time. I think that if you're a uh, if you're any other fan besides the Cardinals, you're you're happy with the things that have gone on, and that's just the sad nature of it. And I think that a lot of fans are probably used to that. It's predictable, and I didn't want Mo to be this predictable, but he is so just difficult all right what we got left on the agenda uh any minor league watch whip nope not this week red i'm sorry <laughs> uh, the only watch hey, that i a... did was the uh was the trade deadline every 15 minutes i'm checking checking twitter so uh, that's fine it was a busy week due to the trade deadline i guess it's Time for this week in Cardinals history and some fun facts. We're ready. End us on a good note, Red. Yeah, I'm ready. Give me something positive. Well, here's something positive. On August 4th, Bob Gibson wins his 200th career game against the Giants in 1971. On August 5th, Albert Pujols is the first player to hit at least 30 home runs in his first five seasons. And on August 6th, the Cardinals trade Luis Martinez, Chris Newsom, and Jason Birch to the Rockies in exchange for Hall of Famer Larry Walker. And some fun facts... In 1901, the logo, iconic STL logo was only an S and L. And Al Albert Pujols refuses to go by El Hombre as it means the man in Spanish and believes that that nickname is Stan Musial's and Stan Musial's alone. Speaking of Stan Musial, he is the oldest player in MLB history to hit three homers in a game when he did it in 1962 at the age of 41. And that was via the historyofcardinals.com and the Ultimate St. Louis Cardinals Trivia Book by Ray Walker. All right. Well, I'll tell you that August 4th date, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> I agree. 
<laughs> Anything with Bob Gibson or Stan Musial was pretty good. I agree. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Red. That's uh, that's good stuff. And I think that this is what the third week in a row of a Stan Musial stat. So I think, yeah. <laughs> well, um. Once again, just thank everybody for uh, tuning in, and we'll try to try to keep it running. We try to shoot for Tuesdays, uh, usually trying to release Tuesdays. If it's not Tuesday night, Wednesday night, or Thursday night, that's that's usually our three days that we try to hit. Um, once again, just any kind of recommendations, any thoughts, always appreciated. Uh, feel free to follow us on uh, Twitter, Twitter and, and also Instagram. Instagram. Yep, that's correct. Twitter and Instagram. Uh, the Redbirds Nest. You can find us at Redbirds Nest Podcast at gmail.com as well if you want to email anything in. So, you guys have anything else to add? I'd just like you said, thanks for listening. We appreciate the support we've been getting. We've hit, hit another milestone with 200 listens. So, we thank you for that. Sounds good. We'll see you all next week.